0: listening to the Cornerstone Tulsa podcast. Our mission is to cultivate a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit our website at cornerstonetulsa.org or find us on social media. And with that, let's hop into this week's teaching. We searched uh, a year and talked to 40 or 50 people looking to find a new associate pastor to join our team. And he's here this morning to share his story with you. He may descend from the rafters. There he is, Max Steiner. Welcome, him, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, Sean. Yes. Hey, Cornerstone. Yeah, so this is kind of your, kind of your first ish time. It is. You did the beginning of service a couple weeks ago, but 80% of people weren't in the room. It's true. If you came on time, you would have seen him earlier, you know. That's awesome. Um, Max, you got a great story, and we're so grateful that you're here. Um, Dive in. Well, I'm glad to be with you all this morning, not just to let you know me a little bit better, but I'm always encouraged thinking about my own testimony of how the Lord has been active in my life, kind in my life, during long seasons when I felt like he was totally absent. And it gives me a lot of confidence to know that that will continue to be true, that God is at work in ways that I am not seeing in the present. Uh, I'm from the exotic city of Plano, Texas, and (laughs) did not grow up in a Christian home. And to state it really briefly, my childhood was not a happy one. My dad was an alcoholic, and he was physically and emotionally abusive to me and my younger brother. And um, if I can just put it in a story, in the third grade, I was at a sleepover at Andrew Nabasny's house. And his dad came, and he tucked us into bed, and he told us he loved us and said goodnight and turned off the light. And I turned to Andrew, and I was like, what is wrong with your dad? <laughs> Truly, I did not have a category for a dad who acted that way towards his son.
1: Hmm.
0: And at my home was just characterized by a lot of fear. And in the sixth grade, my parents got a divorce, and that was a real low point for me. I entered a very long, depressive episode with regular suicidal ideation. And in the midst of that, my mom started attending a divorce recovery care class at a local United Methodist church. And she was dragging me and my brother with her because we did not want to be a church. I had categorically dismissed the idea that God could exist based on what had gone on in my own life. And the idea of an invisible, loving, heavenly father was laughable to me. But in the midst of that place, there were some older kids in the youth group who loved me really patiently, and really well, because I carried a lot of anger and a lot of resentment, I was not easy to be around, and they were very kind to me. And fast forward a little bit, summer before my sophomore year of high school, my mom signed me up for a mission trip to Juarez, Mexico that I did not want to go on. And I was staying up at my friend Connor Doyle's house the night before, I was commenting earlier, I didn't realize how formational sleepovers were for (laughs) me, but apparently they were. And uh, at Connor Doyle's house, I was just venting to him about having to go on this trip, and I said things that I cannot repeat in a church about God. This is stupid. God doesn't exist. And Connor's response back to me, he said, well, I don't believe in him, but I don't want to make him mad, (laughs) which is a very honest theology. I wonder how many people, if they were honest, that's where they would be. But that's the posture I went into that trip with, and Wednesday night during worship, Through a combination of physical spiritual and emotional exhaustion the spirit finally penetrated my heart to let me know that jesus had indeed risen from the dead and uh, my first thought was well shoot (laughs) (laughs) because if that's true it means that i have to change everything about my life there's there's no coming back from this and uh, i didn't really understand what it meant to be a christian at that point in time so came back from that trip and I was like, I think Christians don't hang out with sinful people, and so I kind of cut myself off from my friend group, and I started going to a lot of church activities. And long story short, I found my way to a church in the area that was really faithfully preaching the gospel, uh, me and 12,000 of my closest friends (laughs) at this very large church in the Dallas area. But I was hearing the gospel preached on a regular basis and was really enjoying that, so much so that when it was time for me to apply to colleges, I applied to SMU in hopes that I would stay as part of that church community. And so the Lord provided a scholarship there, and I went to SMU. And while I was there, I started to discern a call to vocational ministry. And so there was a pastor there who was discipling me. I came to him, and I said, hey, Clint, I think I'm called to ministry. And he was like, great, go do anything else (laughs) besides ministry, which was not the response I expected. And he went on to say, if you're really called, go do something else, and you will still feel drawn to this. But if not you won't have racked up a bunch of student debt pursuing a career that will not pay you back for it. And so I took him up on that advice and graduated from the engineering school, went into corporate consulting. Summer after I graduated I worked for a summer camp which is where I met my wife Hannah, uh, the greatest ministry of summer camps being the marriages they produce. (laughs) And uh, went into corporate consulting which I did for a couple years, and a couple of formative things happened while I was in consulting. One was in February of 2014. I got a text message from my dad. I was on a project in Parsippany, New Jersey. My dad had been in and out of my life for years at this point in time, and he said, hey, can you talk? I said, well, I'm, I'm at work. What do you need? And he said, well, I have a gun, and I'm thinking about killing myself. Yeah, yeah, I can talk. <laughs> So I called him and he was at a real low point. He'd been fired from work for an alcohol-related incident. It's probably the 12th time or so in his life that that had been the case. Mm. And he was just bottoming out. And so we started meeting weekly after that, uh, going through the letter to the Romans and just talking about the gospel. And in June of 2014, my dad committed his life to Christ, uh, which is one of the greatest joys of my life. I had honestly just written off my dad as ever coming to faith, and um, I, I went through a lot of counseling trying to deal with some of what my childhood looked like. I still go through a lot of counseling with that, um, but one thing that had always confused me was I felt like I had so much anger, but it wasn't directed at my dad, which didn't quite add up, and I think one of the things the Lord was doing in the midst of that was knowing that I would play a part in his coming to faith later in life at the age of 64 for him. So that happened in consulting. Also in consulting, I was traveling 50 weeks a year, managing an offshore team in India, and it was miserable. (laughs) And so taking my mentor's advice and thinking about, am I called to ministry? I was like, yeah, I want to get out of this job, but frankly, I would go anywhere. I would flip burgers at McDonald's if it meant getting out of this job. And I did not feel like I had peace about affirming a call to ministry as a next step. And so I ended up taking kind of a gap year And interning at that church with 12,000 of my closest friends and I left that internship with two convictions one was I did feel called to ministry but the other was I did not want to work for a megachurch and I know corner centers we come from a lot of different church backgrounds I'm not trying to hate on megachurches I just know having worked for one and seen behind the scenes that is not how I wanted to see disciples made with one central personality with really robust programs I wanted pastors to be proximate to their people I wanted people to live in community with each other. I wanted them to be evangelizing. So, in all of that, I went back to corporate. I was kind of like, well, we'll see what the Lord does with this. And shortly thereafter, a friend of mine ended up planting a church in Richardson, which is where my wife and I were living at the time. And uh, we helped with the launch team of that church. And then, about six months into that church, he invited me to come on staff. And so, I was taking seminary part time and working for the church. And we had one kid, and then two kids, and then three kids. And it was really great. In a lot of ways, it was what we had been waiting for in terms of my career, my calling. But the further I got in seminary and the further I got in working for this church, the more I started to realize, I don't think I'm a Baptist. And it was like, what, what do I do with that? Because here I am. And... Uh, I know Again, I know Cornerstoners come from all over in terms of religious backgrounds. If you ever want to hear more about our transition to Anglicanism, I would love to talk with you about it, but long story short, we had come to a place where we decided we need to make a denominational move, to a denomination that we can see ourselves pastoring in indefinitely. And so I had a buddy who had planted a church in the Dallas area, an Anglican church under the diocese of C4SO, which is the tribe that Cornerstone is a part of. So I was chatting with him about it and he said, you really ought to look at the C4SO job boards. So we started watching summer of 2022 and I'm seeing positions come up for rector and priest and people are in robes. And I look at their website and they have incense. And I was like, that's a big change. I don't know if I'm ready for that. And then I see the cornerstone position pop up and it's associate pastor. And I thought, I know those words. And I looked on your website and it's like, we could see ourselves here. But I started listening to John's preaching We started thinking about y'all's mission statement to be a community shaped by the gospel for the renewal of all things. And it was really compelling to us. So we applied and the Lord aligned a lot of things, but part of that uh, interview process, I still laugh thinking about it. John was asking me a question and he stopped and he said, have you ever actually worshiped in an Anglican church before? Nope, I haven't. (laughs) You should probably come worship with us before we continue this. And so in October of 2022, We came and worshiped with Cornerstone, and my wife Hannah and I were praying for unity with each other and a really clear yes or a really clear no. And Sunday during worship, we felt total peace being here, and we turned to each other after the service and said, this is where we want to be. And so at that point, it was really, how do we say goodbyes to people who we've done decades of community with? Um, And truly, we were comfortable in Richardson, but we felt like the Lord was prompting us to go on to something new. And so we uh, wrapped up the year there, and we started, January 3rd was my first day on staff. And we're really excited to be here. Y'all have been very hospitable, very encouraging and welcoming. But if I can be really honest with you, if I had to characterize my one emotion that I feel in beginning this role, it's I'm intimidated to be here. And it's not just that I'm at the front of the room talking to a bunch of people. I'm intimidated because I think the pastoral call is a really serious call. I look around a room at a lot of faces that I don't yet know. And there's a lot of work here. I I need to get to know you. I want to be a blessing to you. And I feel my own inadequacy in the midst of standing before you, sitting before you. And a scripture that has been on my mind really regularly in the midst of that is 2 Corinthians 4, where Paul says that we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And that's what I keep having to cling to is that it's, it's not me, I'm a meager vessel offering something that was given to me freely and I hope to offer that to y'all as well. So thank you for having our family with you. We're really glad to be here. Amen. Thanks, guys. We're so grateful you listened to this week's sermon at Cornerstone. If you live in the Tulsa area, we'd love to invite you to be a part of our worship community in person. You can find service times and more information at our website. But wherever you are, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and give you peace.